Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. I'm so excited to preach this passage to you this morning because I think it's going to be encouraging to your soul. Um, I think often of this idea of riches and treasure when I look to God's word because uh, when I I hear about the gospel, the good news of Jesus, I always think um, because of the gospel, I've been made rich and then the rest of the time here on earth, one of the things that I, I get to do is find out how rich I am uh, because of Jesus. And this is one of those passages this morning that we're going to look at. And uh, I hope you will be blown away at the riches that are found uh, because of Jesus, because of Jesus. And so if you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you from Romans chapter 5. And I'm going to read... Uh, verses 1 through 11, uh, but this morning we're only going to look at verses 1 through 5. God's word says this, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope, uh, in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that the suffering, that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not uh, put us to shame, uh, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have, we now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. God, do your work in us through this passage this morning. God, I ask that you would uh, give us ears to hear Uh, and that you would use what we hear from you, that your spirit would do that transforming work in us. For some, uh, from death to life, and others, uh, that sanctification process that we so desperately need to be changed from the old life to the new. God, we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This is just a great passage. There's no way, way around it. Uh, if I've looked at this passage many times and, uh, through, throughout my adult life and even a, as a teenager, and um, it's just exciting. It's exciting. And it, it, I want to say that it's exciting, but it's exciting if you have come to know Jesus Christ. Uh, if you haven't, um, it, it's it's probably frustrating because all these riches are not yours. Um, 
I know that a lot of times you, you might see a car, a, a fancy car, a, a Ferrari or like a Toyota or something like that, something new. Um, and as you see those, as a kid, you're excited, but as an adult, you're not so excited because it just reminds you of what you don't have. Um, and, and I, I want to tell you that this, this is that type of passage. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're rich beyond compare. And if you haven't trusted in Christ, if you haven't trusted in Christ, you could be rich, but you're not. You're not. Um, you're left in the darkness of sin. You're left dead in your sins. Um, but this, this passage, uh, and we delved into it just a little bit last week, uh, Easter Sunday, um, he, he connects uh, all that's been said before. And remember, it's building. It starts out, everyone's, uh, everyone, whether Jew or Greek or someone from the city of Rome or someone who's just floating through, everyone, everyone is a sinner. Everyone. There's not one that isn't. Uh, and the, uh, Paul, through the inspiration of God, reiterates that and, and maybe belabors this idea that all are sinners, all are deserving of judgment. And, and I think that that's hard for us to get. I don't know why. Uh, it should be obvious, right? Uh, some of uh, us are attracted towards re- religiosity, right? Maybe it's the way we were raised or uh, you know, just how we're bent inside and we like to go, yeah, I'm a good person. And yet the facts deny that. The facts deny that. As you look to God's word, it, it shows us where we have failed. And at, for the Jews, we, we just looked at Abraham, who they looked at as, there's the guy. He's the one. Father Abraham, he's the one who he was the example of obedience and, and earning. And, and it says, no, not even Abraham. Abraham, uh, God did a work in him. And then his faith was placed in the one who did his work in him that he might have uh, righteousness that he did not earn. He did not earn. And so we've been looking at righteousness that people need to know God, none of which have righteousness. And then this work of justification, not that we are holy, but we've been made holy, made holy. And I just want to remind you that unless God makes you holy, you are not. Uh, If his plan of salvation isn't at work in you, there's no plan B. There's no other way. And so uh, this is where we come to in chapter 5. Chapter 5 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, that we have gained place or position into the family of God that we have been made right. How do we do that? Through putting faith in the God who has the plan. And we're going to look more at the plan, the plan being his son Jesus. Uh, That's the way we are justified. Um, He says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, and and once he says that, uh, I want you to know that he's starting out and he says, I'm going to tell you, because you've been justified by faith, this is what you are. This is how rich you are. And the first piece of riches or the first truth that we get in this passage is what we ended up with last week. But before we get there, um, 
I, I just want to remind you that as you read the scriptures, especially this section, we are not looking at the greatness of man. We're not. We're looking at the, the riches that are found in Jesus and, and, and what they are. It's what Christ won on our behalf. He is the one. Uh, if we learn anything in Romans, it's our lost sinfulness uh, for all. And, and really that the, the gospel, the good news of Jesus is good enough for all. And for all that includes Abraham. Abraham being a sinner uh, needed faith to trust in the Father's plan. And uh, so as we look at th- this passage this morning, I, I want to encourage you, wherever you sit this morning, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've been justified, uh, you, you're looking at these th- three points as what I have because of Jesus. What I have. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, you're just coming, checking out your, your spouse brought you here or you, you thought that this was something else and you wandered in, I, you know, we're just glad you're here. Um, but know this, that these three points are what you don't have, what you don't have. And maybe that will be the, the way God works in your life and you will see um, your need for the Savior today. What we have or what we don't have uh, because of Jesus. The first uh, point this morning that I, I want to look at we have eternal and present peace with God. Eternal and present peace. Before I go any further, I want to tell you that all three of these points have, a, uh, have an eternal factor to them, that this is true forever, but they also have a present, present uh, gift or treasure of today. And I think that's important to remember. Uh, you, you need to know that following after Christ isn't about Uh, so much what you want today, gratification today, right? Just do what you want to do today. That's, uh, many preachers have uh, built their ministry around telling people what they want to hear for today. Um, I, I don't think that that's the primary point of the scriptures. The primary point of the scripture is the eternal, the eternal. But I want you to know this, That even as we look at the eternal, there's something great in the present. I I don't want to skip over that. So all three of our points this morning are eternal and present. uh, And the first one being eternal and present peace with God. It, It says that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If we've been justified by faith, we've trusted in Jesus, we've trusted in the plan of the Father worked out in the Son... We have peace with God. Um, well, before we've been justified, what does that mean of our life? Before we've come to know Christ, what does that mean for the person who hasn't trusted in Christ? What is the state of their soul? What is their relationship with God? I, I want to tell you, you're enemies of God. Apart from Jesus, you're enemies of God. It's going to go on, and I read it, but it's next week, Right? Maybe not next week. Maybe the following week. But, but this idea is that, that apart from what Christ did on the cross, we are not at peace with God. In fact, it goes on in this passage to talk about, uh, use war language. 
that we're enemies and that there were, this, this, this fight is against the holy God, that there's a power struggle between me and God, God who is in charge and me who wants to be in charge. Um, do you remember, those of you who have siblings, you know about what it is to grow up with siblings. There's always usually a bossy older sister, at least in my case. Uh, there was a bossy older sister, and like they're always trying to be in charge, and they're telling you what to do, and the kids are always you know, competing for who's in charge. And I want to tell you, uh, some of us have that in our heart, that we haven't acknowledged that I'm not in charge. <laughs> that between uh, my relationship with God and myself, there's only one that should be in charge, and it's him. And I should be under him, and I should be listening to him. And in sin, the power struggle exemplifies it in many different ways. Verse 10 uh, speaks of, if you, if you look down at verse 10, I, I wasn't going to go there, sorry, Pete. Um, it says, uh, verse 10 says, for if we were enemies, enemies. And I said, look at that, and I go, Enemies. I never thought of myself as an enemy of God, but I, but I want to tell you, that's what you are apart from Jesus. If you're doing your own thing, you're an enemy of God. You're taking his throne. His, he's the only one who deserves that throne, right? He's the only king that you should listen to. You should not be king or queen. None of us. Um, and so we have this you know, antagonistic power struggle with God but if justification by faith has happened to us, it says, the war's over. The war's over. Doesn't that sound good? The war's over. My, my butting heads with God, we're, we're done with that. that. That the relationship that I was designed to have with God was one to be his child and now because of being justified, made right when I was wrong, what happens? It's peace with God. It's peace with God. As I shared last week, this, this idea of peace isn't so much a feeling of contentment it's not this feeling of like, ah, oh, you know. Uh, this is a fact. This is a fact. It's the idea that the war has been declared over. The debt that was real, by the way, our sins are real, right? They're not just, you know, oh, everyone does that. It's not that big of a deal. Our sins are real, one of the big themes in the book of Romans is over and over again is how real sin is. And our, our sins are real. Some of us look at sin and we say, oh, it's a victim, victimless crime, right? My sin's something personal. It doesn't affect anybody. That's not true. That's not true. Many of us uh, had to learn that the hard way, right? Got married and what, what's great about marriage is my sin now affects my wife, too. And that's not the great thing, right? And there's this, this reciprocal domino effect, right? That our sins do affect each other. If you're a father or a mother, your sins, your selfishness, your pride, your recklessness, your lack of obedience 
affects your kids. If you're old enough, it affects your grandkids too. If you're a kid here today, um, your life affects your parents' life. Uh, you know, some of you say, well, I get, it's my life. I can do whatever I want. Okay, that's fine. You can. You, you definitely can. Uh, but no, when you see your mom cry, you say, I did those. You know, let's go, Kevin. I, I, I'm connected to that. So our sin is, is not uh, on our own. We, our sins affect others. That's not the problem, by the way. That's just the preliminary small things that we can see. Our sin isn't a victimless crime. It's a sin against our people, the people around us, and that, that could go on and on. But it's also a sin against ourselves. Uh, Brandon shared from Proverbs, what, what happens? We make foolish choices, right? We ruin our own life. There's effects. It happens. There's sin against others. There's sin against ourselves. There's this idea that we're ruining the very life that is our own. But that's not the problem. It's a sin against God. The God who loved us so much, the God who created us, the God who sent his son to die for us, it's a rejection of him, him. And so that's what sin is. But the good news is this. We have put our faith and trust in Jesus. We will be justified, we will be made right. And what does that mean? The war's over, the debt's been paid. And, and as I shared with you last week, um, that's so great because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done on our behalf. That's so great. That, that, that's, you can go to bed at night knowing that's true, right? You, you can work those facts over and it will buoy your soul, right? It, it'll give you confidence for the day. Why? Why? Because the main issue or main relationship of life is good, we have peace with God. What a great thing. And I want to tell you, you cannot have that apart from Jesus. You can't have it. It, it doesn't come, and, and there's this focus in this passage that is connected to the work of Christ, the, the Father's plan worked out in his Son. How do we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ? It's not by your works. It's not by you being good. It's not by you being a super obeyer. It's not. It's not. Um, your obedience, I, I, I want you to hear this. I want you to, your obedience in works does not win you right place with God. It doesn't win you peace with God. Jesus did that. Jesus did that. Uh, it's not by your works. It's not by your money, um, I know that the more someone gets, uh, you know, there, there comes a place in time where you think that money can do everything you want it to, that you understand that it can uh, uh, win people and gain friends and accomplish things. And, and as you see it, you say, well, maybe that's the relationship with God. I'll, I'll give a bunch to the church or I, I will, you know, set up a monument and, uh, to God and, and somehow he will be pleased with my finances somehow winning his favor. It's not true. You don't have enough money. You don't. Uh, he can't be bought. It's not by your family, either the past family you were raised in, 
I hope you were raised in a great family, but that doesn't gain you peace with God. It doesn't. And I hope you've raised a great family. I hope you have a great family that you're working on and you're continuing to, and and you go, ah, you know, God, I did it for you. I want to tell you, that does not gain you peace with God. It doesn't. It's not even by uh, a great church like Bear Valley Church. I've been a part of that church. I go to work days, bake cookies for fellowship time. Teach in Sunday school, I go to Bible study, and I'm involved in everything. I want to tell you, it's not even your church. The only, the only place you find this, it's exclusive, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how you get peace with God. And I want to tell you, it's eternal peace with God, but also present peace with God. How good is that? Secondly, verse 2. Uh, we have eternal and present grace before the king. Grace before the king. Verse two says this, through him, through him, who's him? Lord Jesus Christ. You just, just said it, right? Through the Lord Jesus Christ, what is true through him, we have also obtained, but wait, there's more. Uh, we have also obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand, this idea of access by faith, that word access is, um, is a good word. It's just we struggle with Greek to English, you know. What, what's it? Uh, the, the picture here is this, is not just access, right? It's not just that you have a key to open the door. Uh, it's not just that you have the code and I'm in. Uh, it, it's the idea of introduction. Now, uh, in the business world, this happens all the time. There was a man... Uh, kind man to me and I needed some help with a um, bunch of things like taxes that I don't know anything about um, and he said I will make an introduction for you and he wrote this really nice email to this man that I don't know that I wouldn't be able to meet like he's out of my league and he, he wrote this really nice email and, and he introduced me through email to this man now I have access to him now I have a relationship, not because I, but because of him, because he has worked with him for a long time. And now there's a relationship that I have with him, not because of my own merit, but because of his. And this is the picture. And when you see that word grace, you should always think, I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it. It's not something great about me. It's something I've been given in spite of who I am. And this is the picture here that we have now have access. Why? Be- through him. We have access. We've obtained an introduction, a relationship, an unthinkable uh, access, especially for a man who is sinful. And, and do you get the picture here? It's, it's the idea of, of coming before the king. And, and this is how this works. Because of what Jesus has done, me being uh, deserving of the wrath of God, I now have access. And what is that access? If you can picture the throne room, the place where the king sits and only people come that are in great relationship with the king and only people stay who remain in good graces of the king, there's access there. There's gracious access that I receive. Why? Because of Jesus. 
me being one that is deserving the wrath of God, now gains the access before the king by his grace. When I was a kid, um, I had my dad's aunt, if you can picture it, that's how this works out, my dad's aunt, uh, he had a rich aunt. And I think everyone should have a rich aunt, okay? Um, Some of you are the rich aunt. But anyways, I remember going to visit her and they lived in Michigan and she was a part of a very, um, you know, affluent country club. And when we went uh, to Michigan, she says, I'm going to take you to the country club. And so I didn't know what that was. I was just, you know, an elementary school kid, probably second grade or so. And so we went with Aunt Violet to the Lockmore Club uh, outside, of, uh, outside of Detroit, a very nice area. And so we went there, and it was very nice. There, you know, the, the, everyone looked very nice. The dining area was beautiful. Linen tablecloths, the whole deal is beautiful. And as a, a you know, second grader, I was like, oh, this, this isn't like we usually eat. This is a big deal. We're at, we're at Aunt Violet. You know, we're going there. And so we sit down to eat, and it's boring, right? Because uh, adults are talking, and they're talking too long and everything. But I was fascinated at the servers when they would come around. And like some of you, I was always checking out what they were bringing to other people's tables. And then uh, my sister and I were there. We were the only kids. And we were, we were watching around. And a server comes by, and there's this huge goblet. There's this huge goblet with ice cream coming out of it, uh, a banana sticking out the top, and, and whipping cream everywhere, whipping cream everywhere. And my eyes got this big, and I just went like this. And, and Aunt Violet saw that, and she said, do you know what that is? And I said, I've never seen anything that great before. And, and she said, that, we call that a Georgian monkey. And I said, oh, Georgian monkey, I'm in. You know, Georgian monkeys. And she said, do you want one of those? I said, Yes. And she does one of these. Get this guy right here and his sister, a Georgian monkey, and they came. And I felt like, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Cheer it for Aunt Violet, you know. I'm in the club, you know. I'm, I'm eating food. This is great. I, I, I want to tell you, I could roll up to that place today and they'd say, you're not a member. You're not a part. And I want to tell you that... Um, your relationship with God is nothing about you, nothing. It's all about what Christ has done on your behalf. The access that you gain to the throne room of God is based on the Lord Jesus Christ. So what do we have? We have eternal, eternal and present grace before the king. I love it. And I want you to get this. As you look at this passage here, verse two, it says, through him we have obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand. In which we stand, meaning today, this, this day, how are we gonna make it? How are we gonna make it? I wanna tell you, you, you don't have to go bust down doors. You don't have to charge any hills, Okay. You just need to stay where you are. The position that you have because of Jesus, you just need to stay there. That's the way we stand, based on the grace of God. Somebody asks you how you're gonna make it, you, you look at them and you, 
put your shoulders forth and you say, by the grace of God, he's already done it for me. I'm just going to stay here. I'm just going to stay here. That was number two, that we have eternal and, uh, and present grace before the king. Number three, number three, we have eternal and present joy and hope in the love of God. I know I put a bunch of words in there. Those long joy and hope in the love of God. And in verse uh, two, it says this, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in this. And, and when somebody says hope, um, they're, they're, you know, we use hope in a term of like, uh, yeah, hope so, and the idea of kind of wishing. And, um, you know, hope in the future is somehow different than the present. And we say, well, I hope the weather's better, or, or I hope, you know, the economy changes, or I hope this politician gets in, or that, or I, I hope I do well on my test that I haven't studied for. We look at hope in ways like that. But as we see in the scriptures, because of the promises of God, when, when it says the hope of the glory of God, we know what's coming next. It's just not there yet. That hope is, is confident. They say confident expectation, but the idea is that it's like it's already happened because it's based on the, the word of God, that he's truthful, that he's been true in the past and he's gonna be true in the future because he doesn't change. And we can trust him for the days ahead. And so there's this idea in this passage of rejoicing in what's going to happen. Eternal. Rejoicing in the eternal. And so uh, when we see each other at church here, uh, I hope that there's a sense of rejoicing. Rejoicing. And and we're rejoicing in a good day today, but also rejoicing in what's going to happen later okay we're rejoicing in that and 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 I want to tell you joy is a big deal a big deal uh some of us struggle with being grouchy and and this idea that we're always finding what's wrong with this life and we're always expecting it to get worse and yet some of the days are great and we can say hey it's a great day it's a great day, and, and as a believer, we can say it's a great day. I rejoice in what God has done today, and it's only going to get better. I look forward to what is to come. Eternal and present joy. But, but look at this passage, verse 3. Not only that, not only that. Not only do we rejoice at what is to come and what is secure, and not only the idea of having a good day now, but we rejoice, listen to this, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. That doesn't make sense. Does it? Doesn't make sense. Um, some of you are suffering right now. Um, yeah, some of, you, some of you are going through difficult trials. You, you, you've been through difficult trials. And, and, whether they be health or relationship related, maybe they're financial, maybe there's, there's an attack of someone upon you and, and, and you say, I'm suffering, I, I, I'm dying. Maybe it's just the discouragement of the past and you're, you're stuck and you, you can't figure out how to get out of it. And you, but, but, and then you read the Bible and you say, you just read the Bible and you come to Romans 5 and it says this. As you look at it, it says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. And I go, 
I don't get how you can rejoice in your sufferings. Because it, it seems simple, right? I rejoice when I get the Georgian monkey. <laughs> right? But when I get suffering, I don't rejoice. Because Georgian monkey, good. Suffering, bad. It should be simple, right? And, and you say, well, how, do these, how does this go together? And, and, and how, do, how do I do this? And maybe as a believer, you're struggling with this very moment. You're saying, how can I rejoice in bad things? How can bad things be good? Um, he, he's gonna, I wanna go through the whole passage and then we'll come back to this. So not only this, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put to shame. I want to ask you a question. When you think of suffering, do you think suffering is good? No. I wasn't trying to trick you. Some of you, I've tricked you before, right? And you're like, I'm not, I'm not saying nothing in church. <laughs> suffering, is it good? No. Suffering in and of itself is not good. But then you look at the other words that are put in there. How about endurance? Is endurance good? Do you want that in your life, endurance? How about proven character or character? Yes. How about hope? Yes. Hope's a good piece. And the idea of not being put to shame, the idea not being in the end, in the end, that it would be worth it. I think most of us have been ripped off before. We've been suckered by something, right? And it's embarrassing, and it's the idea that you paid something or you trusted someone, and in the end, you realize it wasn't worth it. And, and the picture here is this, that because of Christ, because of being justified by faith, the third thing that we, the rich, riches that we have is that we have internal and present joy and hope in the love of God. And this picture here is this, that that is even true in suffering. And so you have something that's bad, suffering, but in the Lord, suffering produces endurance, character, as dominoes, hope, and then hope in the end doesn't put us to shame. Are you getting it? Are you getting it? You, you know, uh, none of us should sign up for suffering. Like, if I say, hey, there's a list. If any of you want to suffer, put your name on the list and we'll contact you. And we'll help you suffer this week. We'll make sure you suffer. Um, none of us should sign up for that. But you do know, First uh, Peter talks about this, this idea that you, sometimes you know, you know that God signs you up for suffering. I know we struggle with that. I know you struggle with that. I struggle with that. I'm in the midst of it right now. And I don't feel like I'm suffering yet. In fact, you, people are asking me all the time, hey, how are you feeling? I said, I feel fine. Um, I was bothering my mother-in-law yesterday. Hi, Mom. And she, she touched me over here, and she kind of slapped me. And I go, oh, my kidney! And she says, it's on the other side. It's on the other side. Um, I'm going to reload and say, oh, that's my good kidney. Protect it, please. Um, but um, just this idea that uh, I want to tell you that uh, somehow this is from God. Somehow it is. I don't understand it all. Um, 
you, you know, if you're struggling with one of your kids, who should struggle with your kid? You should. You should. Got the same last name, right? They look like you. Who should take care of that? You should. And you say, I don't want to. I don't want to. I want to tell you that this idea that suffering is bad and you just get rid of it at all costs, I want to tell you that sometimes as God would entail that this is part of his beautiful plan for you. And, and it's not beautiful because of the suffering. It's because of the suffering that he's going to do things in you. He's going to change you. And I want to say this. That's what's beautiful, is that God's going to change you. God's going to change me, my kids, and my wife. And he's going to work in us. And he's got stuff to do. We're not perfect. They're even close to it, right? And so as suffering comes into your life, that you would be able to say, "Uh uh-huh. Somehow this is from the hand of God, and somehow he's going to work this out to do things in me, developing my perseverance, my character, giving me hope beyond this suffering. It's the work of God. So if it's the work of God, it's worth it. And because we know it's the work of God, what can we do? We can rejoice. We can rejoice. Even in suffering. It's not just we rejoice when good things happen that we wanted. We rejoice even in suffering because we know God is at work. He gives us this confidence uh, in verse 5. He says, and hope does not put us to shame. Why? Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. As you look at this, you realize that um, God has not left us alone. His Holy Spirit indwells the believer and, and other places, Paul uses the, the term guaranteeing, Okay? And so this idea is that as we come to faith in Jesus, as part of that, we receive the Holy Spirit that is our comforter, our, our strengthener, the, the one who is with us, present with us in the midst of all of life, all of life. And I say all of life because that includes what? Suffering, suffering. That God's love, and, and some of us, we, we do this thing, and I, I want to say, I, I want to encourage you to grow up. I, I really want to encourage you to grow up as a believer. Because uh, for, for we have this simple mind that uh, when we get what we want, God is good. And when something shows up that we don't want, God is bad. God loves me when I get what I want. God hates me when I don't get what I want. I want to say, grow up. Grow up. He loves you. He loves you. How do you know that? Uh, we know that God loves us while we are yet sinners. Christ died for us. That's in Romans. Uh, well, how do we know God loves us? He sent his son. He sent his son. John three sixteen. right? He sent his son that we might have life, eternal life. Uh, we know that God loves us. How, how do we know that God loves us in this passage? Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. He gives us the Holy Spirit, guaranteeing us that he will be enough for us even in the midst of suffering. Um, 
what you get in this passage, this, this idea of exalting, I kind of skipped over this, but of rejoicing or exalting in the glory of God, it, it's not just the idea that you're happy, it's triumphant rejoicing. It's being part of the parade, the victory parade. In the midst of this ugly, sinful life, both my own sins and the sins of others, that we get to go in the parade. What is it? The victory parade. And we, there's loud shouts of rejoicing. Why? Because we're on the winning team. And why are we on the winning team? Not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus did on our behalf. And that loud rejoicing is not just when we get what we want, but also in the midst of suffering. Joy and suffering. It's funny, um, you, you can picture this, and there's many different... Um, Things, but if you can picture someone suffering, maybe they're having to work hard, they're a slave, and they're working hard, and it's, it's hot outside, and they're thirsty, and the, the master is wicked, and they're, they're beating him, and, and, and it, he's working, and his back's torn up, and he looks up, and he's smiling, and, and you go, I, I don't get it. How can he be happy when it's hot? when he's working, when he's a slave, when he's being beaten. And, and, and the only thing the slave could say is you ask him, he says, I know something you don't know. I know something he doesn't know. I know that this will end. I know that God is in control. I know that he is the one that will be enough for me and this uh, life is only temporary. I know something you don't know. I want to give you three things to close our time this morning. Um, I just want to tell you that all of this that I've shared with you is because of the Father's plan worked out in the Son. It's not because of you. It's not because of me. It's not our ingenuity. It's not our smarts. It's not that we are uh, smarter than our neighbors. It's all because of the Father's plan which was worked out in the Son. Secondly, I just want to tell you, it is contingent. It is contingent. Uh, if you haven't trusted in Jesus, you don't have this. Uh, and, and I want to say that's real simple. It's like you, you don't have to figure it out or come, you know, you don't have to work for it. It's just place your faith and trust in Jesus. And lastly, I just want to ask you a question. Is peace with God your most valuable possession? Is peace with God your most valuable possession? Because if it's not, you don't understand the state of, the state of your soul and, and your life's not gonna work out very well because it's the most important thing that we would be at peace with God. God, thank you for this time. Glorify yourself here at Bear Valley Church. Help us to cling to this message of faith that we put our faith in you and you do the work that we could not do in justifying us, making us right because of Jesus. Thank you for the goodness of the gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.